All right. Are we ready, everyone? Yes. Yes. Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Generation the Podcast, the audio companion to the HBO Max original series, Generation. I am your premier West Coast party clown for hire, Gigi Good. I was trying to like think of a follow-up <laughs> to your party clown, and I didn't, but anyway. <laughs> and I am Wembley Sewell, editor-in-chief of Them. Today, we're talking to the Zelda Barnes, co-creator of Generation, and Chase Swee Wonders, who stars as... Riley. But first, before we get into it, episode five. Gigi, can you tell us all about it? Carl, episode five takes us quite literally through a very realistic day in Los Angeles, California, adjacent. Um, meaning there's a day where the, the kids cannot go to school because the air quality is so shit that it's essentially like... The opposite of a snow day. Yeah. The opposite, yes. And they're not at school, so they have to find out what to do to spend this day with their friends. So through the day, we, we get taken through Riley and Greta's romance, and it heats up a little bit and unbeknownst to Sam the relationship with Chester heats up a little bit more on Grinder, and it all ends with a very cute friendly little sleepover a lot of fire puns to be made but we will tread lightly obviously (laughs) aptly title of the episode is called gaze and confused and like I'm starting thinking about it because the tension between Greta and Riley becomes quite palpable in my mind like the the dizzying like will they won't they reaches an all time all time high, but it just makes me like beg to know where this is is going. And I know we'll talk about this much later in this in this episode. But I want to welcome Chase. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you, guys. I'm so happy to be here. So we just I just want to jump right into Riley as a character. She kind of seems to be the tether between every other character in a sense, especially you can see that in the first couple of episodes and that in every perspective that you see every scene, you can see Riley playing some sort of role in each of the different situations, which I find really interesting. So she's very central, you know, to the friend group and she's throwing parties and documenting their lives through photography, getting her friends dates, hookups. Her relationship with Greta takes down kind of a harder wall that you can see that she's she's put up a little bit in terms of being romantic. I want to know why you specifically, Chase, wanted to audition to play Riley. Oh, thank well, first thank you, Gigi. That was such a beautiful introduction. Um, <laughs> I love that. Well, I think like upon getting the pilot, I think it what struck me from the get go was how you know as you talk about how you know, there are, there are not many scenes in the pilot where we're, we're just kind of solely with Riley until the end of the episode. And it just, it fascinated me so much how Zelda and Daniel played with like this idea of like this overlapping time, especially as you're taken throughout these high schoolers days and how we flick between these different perspectives. And then all of a sudden we end up on this couch. We've seen all the, the, these people's days from, from these different perspectives. And yet like this kind of like failure to connect, even though they're like all at the same high school party in this, in this bubble on this same couch. It's just kind of that like universal theme of like youthful isolation and how like 
Gen Z has all these devices and all all these ways in which to see the world and they're more cultured, I think, than 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 you know, young people have ever been and they have so much access to so many resources and, and they have so many stereotypes that they can mash on to people and, and have like intelligent guesses about like what people are going through and what people their peers are going through. And yet, like there is a certain failure to connect. And that's why I loved so much with Riley how like you don't necessarily get her backstory. And yet, you know, especially in that ending moment in the pilot, you are reminded that like there is a sense of isolation that is, you know, present with all these characters. And and when they're alone, you really discover their internal lives and you're you're able to see how they fail to to show that all the time to their peers. You're so right. Like, high school kids now are what college kids were when I was <laughs> in high school. <laughs> no, and I feel like like subcultures like within high school are so much more pronounced, too, because, I mean, not only are you constantly flickering through like phases because there are so you have so many like different cultures like that you see on tiktok or instagram that you can just glom onto for a second and try it out and like oh maybe this is me today maybe this is, it's just like oh my god i literally just sounded like martha's line oh, i'm terrified i'm terrified that is so funny next episode on generation it's a body switch episode no freaky friday martha and riley but i actually there there's a lot that I want to dive into with all of that. But I, I, we were just talking with Martha last episode. But even, even this episode has a lot about parenting. It starts with the teen parents at the beginning finally coming together with the baby for the first time, which is an episode in and of itself, in my opinion. But you see all of these drastically different parent and caretaker slash teenager relationships depicted. You said that we don't really get Riley's full story. We only kind of get glimpses into it. And I think that this episode is really interesting because you get the sense that her parents are kind of at war with with her a little bit and and that she has this space that's all of her own and her own making in, in the back of the house. And, and to that effect, I would love to play a clip that kind of showcases that relationship. Riley, we have to leave in five minutes. Air quality day. No school. Is that my orchid? You're getting me a new one. Today. So selfish. And this punitive silence like your father? No. Not happening. We get the gist that Riley is just fiercely independent. Like, mm. like Chester, but in a totally different way. I'm curious... How have have you crafted that sense of independence in that presence in a way that is totally your own? Yeah. What I kind of channeled, like doing that scene with Lisa Coppola, who plays my mom, was <laughs> kind of the sense that Riley's parents aren't, I mean, you get we get into the backstory of Riley's parents down, down the line, so I won't give any spoilers away. But um, the sense that, you know, Riley is an only child and her parents are are definitely somewhat absent in her life. And the one interaction we do see is this really just like hostile back and forth. For me, Riley has like this sort of carapace of like steel around her 
that she just envelops her emotions in like this shield whether it be like through photography just pointing her emotions like kind of outward and onto people or you know the way she jumps into the pool is kind of like her sensory like deprivation chamber she's just this is her it's her place to be like totally alone and just like kind of deprive herself anytime those like prickly feelings of like angst come up she like shoves them down and how they come out is like kind of out of her control but she believes that like it's really in it's really within her control and she totally is like you know believes that her parents can't get into her head and i do think that the way her angst does manifest is like kind of when you feel neglected by your parents then the way you rebel and like the way you kind of secretly want to be disciplined as like a way of getting attention from totally your parents um and so i think there is definitely that sense like the way riley throws parties is like reckless (laughs) parties that she doesn't even necessarily have like the best time at which is is she like truly enjoying this complete lack of like big brother like no one's watching her like totally yeah Her parents are also kind of polar opposites to Martha in that way a little bit too. Like when Riley acts out, like nobody is there to really give her any attention or discipline Mm -hmm. her in any way. Whereas Martha is so incredibly controlling and wants to control every aspect of her kids' lives. Riley's parents don't really care what she does as long as Mm. she's not fucking with any of like their stuff, which is (laughs) also super weird. It's just kind of like they have an interesting dynamic just in the sense that they're like a little bit ready for Riley to just go to college. They like don't have to worry anymore, which is like so opposite yeah. of Martha, who's like struggling to hold on to like her kids as <laughs> children. Yeah. Well, I would love to go to a Riley party is all I have to say. <laughs> a Riley party sounds fun. Yeah, I, we were just talking with Nathania and Yuli too about their kind of relationship with their parents in the sense of just kind of feeling like they need to be seen and subliminally doing these things which in turn would make them feel seen in very different ways than than Riley does, obviously. I think they kind of all have their methods, but you can clearly sense there is angst in, in Riley's life because of these situations with her family. But I think one of the ways that Riley's beginning to open up and cope with some of these things is through Greta, which is really very beautiful because both characters are so different and the dynamic between the two is interesting in that Riley and Greta have both had situations where they've needed each other to make the other one feel comfortable. For instance, Greta is a very shy, shy character, and oftentimes Riley's the one who brings her out of that. But on the other hand, when they're in lockdown and Riley is going through this like stressful moment, Greta's the one who has to keep her grounded. So it's just a very beautiful budding relationship, and it's like the age-old story of your first relationship, but in this story, there's twists and kind of outside forces coming in, and one of those outside forces, which I find so funny, is Greta's aunt asking about Riley's intentions. So let's play that clip really quick. What exactly are your intentions here? Oh, uh, I mean, no. Like, I think we're just going to hang out or whatever. It's not... Um... Maybe go swimming. You think you're gonna take this girl swimming in the night? Are you no. serious? No, no, like not. No, no I'm not. Right, can you stop? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? Sorry. <laughs> that was hard to do with a straight face, but this is the best part of motherhood. <laughs> There is something about you're going to go swimming in the night that is so, like, funny to me every night. In the (laughs) night? 
<laughs> she is so funny, but yeah, I mean, it's like you can tell she's just she's just a little shitster, and she she doesn't really care about what your intentions are with her niece. But she's you know, regardless of that, um, I want to know not even in this specific scene, but in the whole situation of Riley's relationship with Greta as a whole, do you? find yourself pulling from relationships that you've had or do you find yourself kind of creating this new narrative that's new to you interesting i i mean <laughs> it's definitely a combo i mean it definitely like mm-hmm. obviously i i can definitely relate to riley's sense of like the first time that you suddenly like feel very vulnerable and very raw and very honest in front of someone and then a lot of it just comes from like just the chemistry that transpires between Haley and I. And I think that like, I mean, for Riley, that that scene in the lockdown is the most kind of vulnerable kernel of information we ever get out of Riley. And just thinking about like how just this interaction with this person is able to just like create that space for Riley to all of a sudden be like super, super vulnerable, like more vulnerable than we see her with her best friend, Nathan. Yeah. So Greta's ability to kind of, you know, be so unwittingly or not like so kind of candid about how, how she's feeling and, and so like mm-hmm. kind of like vulnerable is subliminally like sending Riley these like pings of like, you can be this too. It's not, um, yeah, not a bad thing. Yeah. Well, I think one of the words that I hone in on in that scene is intention. And I think so often when you're beginning to fall for someone and you're beginning to explore a relationship, you have no idea what your intentions are. I think this was also the episode where both of them kind of confess like, well, they've never been necessarily with another girl. So I... Zelda, I'm also so curious about like your take on this. How do you think you put it together in your head that this is how this relationship was going to be- begin to evolve, especially in this scene? Right, of course. I mean, actually, it's funny. Initially, when we first started kind of mapping out the Riley Greta like storylines, um, we actually were thinking about having it just be sort of a pining story where nothing ever actually happened between the two of them, um, and where Greta was just like kind of obsessed with Riley, and Riley was not as into it as Greta was because that's something that's so true to high school. Oh, that would be devastating if that's what happened. I would be devastated. (laughs) Um, And then we were actually working on the pilot and we just kind of saw all this like chemistry and all the sweetness that the two of them had. And we thought this is actually really cute. And we kind of want it to go somewhere that we initially didn't plan for it to go. Oh, my God. (laughs) We're talking about episode five of the HBO Max series Generation. And we're going to get into a lot more after a quick break. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. We're talking to Generation creator Zelda Barnes and Chase Sui Wonders, who stars as Riley. Chase, I don't know if you get annoyed when people talk about this, but I was so gagged when I found out that you are the niece of one of the most influential designers of all time, Anna Sui, who is responsible for adding to the trifecta of supermodels, adding to the world. (laughs) Anna Sui is so influential, and that must have played a role in not only Riley's fashions, but I want to know about your style development outside of Riley, and then we can get into Riley. Yeah, it's actually 
funny. So I grew up in Detroit and Grant had, you know, her, her thing going in New York. So I was growing up. I was a little, I was pretty separated from it. And I Mm -hmm. was an aggressive, aggressive tomboy. I, for maybe seven years straight. I, yeah, I wore like baggy cargo pants. Cargo, Mm -hmm. the rip off cargo pants. The rip, the the zip off. The zip off. The zip off. Excuse me. Excuse me. I also had the Velcro version though. So you're right. The rip off. The rip off. they, They were all there. They're all in my collection. And I played ice hockey with with boys all growing up. So I never took my hair out of like a low ponytail. Like I would I would like shower with my ponytail. The George Washington. Yes, the George Washington. George Washington. <laughs> I would take my ponytail holder out and it would still remain. <laughs> um, but so I was like growing up, I was not a I was not the greatest muse for for, for a fashion designing aunt, I would say. So growing up by that wasn't that wasn't such a big element for me but certainly like in recent years I've definitely come into my own and seen you know fashion as a as a way to express myself and wear a lot of her stuff and Riley definitely has a more coherent fashion mm-hmm. sense than sure. I, than I chase do I I showed Shirley Carada our, our amazing, amazing, amazing yeah. stylist the um the Heaven by Mark Jacobs collection which I think uh, is so fun. Is so- <laughs> And is like so. I love how it's just like this, like self-referential, like teen, teenage, more teen angst. Angst. And I, I feel ang- like it's for it's sure. So Gen Z, like just the way, like the way that Gen Z, like talks and uh, ad nauseum about about like yeah. teenage angst and mental health. You know, I certainly did not talk about my own mental health when I was in high school. Yeah, it's it's so crazy that I mean, just clothes and fashion can completely emulate all of those feelings like without even saying a word and I know we'll get more into Shirley's amazing work but that is very true and and, and I wouldn't say that Riley is like a fashionista like you know glam girl going to school but she is very put together and she has those cute little blonde tendrils which I just love and she's so stunning and like obviously I'm just talking about you Chase but you know <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm sorry I just like I had to get into the whole fashion aspect I because love. of how closely related you are <laughs> to that quite literally. Oh my god and the tendrils it's funny because Zelda I don't know Zelda do you remember when we were at the pool rehearsing yeah. that one day and I was like maybe Riley should have these blonde tassels that are all over TikTok that was really early early on look we're talking about nostalgia and i kind of have to get into it in maybe a more philosophical way i i do think that riley as a character also seems to be the one obviously she's the glue in many ways but she's also the one who is curating defining capturing all of the memories that inevitably one day this group of folks will will look back on. Like, she is the time capsule, I think, of the friend group. And I think right now, of course, even though we're in this very weird, weird time where it might not feel like there's much to, to document, I think the show, too, also is a testament and a record of this revolutionary moment in time. And I was... I was curious what it what it even also feels like on set, like to to know that you are, yes, acting as a person who captures the memory of this cast, but also, you know, being on set in this moment in time, too. I know that might be like a loaded, heady kind of question, but I think it's a really interesting, you know, space to occupy. Yeah. 
in the early months of the pandemic, I was I was home alone with with my mom um, in Detroit. And that was obviously I, like many, many people had my mental health rocked and shattered. And but in a way to have, you know, this on the other side of it and, you know, me, me like forced into my high school bedroom with with my mom and feeling so angsty and like regress regressing into my <laughs> my my 16 year old self was like so formative and 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 then to come on the other side of it being surrounded by this like literal covid bubble of wonderful people trying to create this thing and and literally it sounds very dramatic but risking their lives to like create this story i mean me just saying it like sounds like a fairy tale it's like the most nostalgic <laughs> thing ever like Listen, like banding to- yeah like banding together like in a in a in a hole like during during wartime to like make make a <laughs> make make believe is like it's wild Zelda, I want to I want to kind of talk to you a little bit about this and Chase if you have any input on this situation. I know you never really interact with this in, this situation at least not as far as we know, but um I want to talk about Chester's catfishing situation that's happening over the course of this episode. He is having this conversation with his high school guidance counselor Sam on Grinder, which like irks me to even say but <laughs> it's it's heating up and it is going somewhere but nowhere good, which is just like making me feel so anxious. I, I just want to talk about the storyline a little bit. You know, what conversations you were having among the writers and actors about it to make it feel as real as possible, because this is something that unfortunately happens a lot. So yeah, we we definitely thought that Chester would have Grinder just to kind of like have a little fun on it. And we see him using the app, um, not just to talk to Sam. When he finds Sam's profile, he's just kind of like intrigued at first. And then it starts to spiral out of his control a little bit yeah. when Sam starts sending him more and more kind of intimate <sighs> texts. Um, and yeah, it's just, and I think something that I think Justice does such a beautiful job of in that last moment is like the fear that he feels when mm-hmm. Sam is, because he could get dragged into this now. And he's like, it's not just something fun and funny anymore. Like it's been taken a step too far and it's like actually very serious now. So yeah, Yeah. we were just kind of playing around with like, at first it's fun, like, oh, LOL, catfishing a teacher. I mean, I had friends who would like, oh my God, this was so ridiculous. I had friends in middle school who would like drop their own phone numbers in the like comments of like celebrities Instagrams and be like I have his number like this is his number and then all these like 13 year old girls would text them and they'd be like oh my gosh like oh no hi like it's Jacob Sartorius like how'd you get my number and it's just like and they would pretend to be like a celebrity and I was like that's so elite like that has to be legal right and I remember being 14 and being like this is crazy that you guys are doing this but they just thought it okay. was funny <laughs> oh my God. i need to just say that that is so funny that that happened to you because that was a thing in my high school too but m- less of like trying to pretend to be a celebrity and more of like i'm gonna try to ruin your day by saying this is sean mendez phone number underneath his picture so that you have hundreds of 13 year old girls calling you every day and you have to change your phone number and you have to that has happened to me at least twice and oh it's such God. a nightmare but it is like th- this kind of stuff is so real for a lot of high schoolers and i kind of feel like when you're diving into the queer side of high school and kind of that need to feel 
wanted and need to feel desirable, you're you almost convince yourself that some of these situations are real, you know? And I think Chester at first, like you said, was going in the route of this is funny. I can't believe he's on Grinder. I'm just gonna message him. And then literally three messages later, he's like, Oh my gosh, I think I think he this loves is my like something. eyes. <laughs> he does he hasn't even seen my face, but it's like it's just crazy how normal catfishing is on so many different degrees of of fame and queerness when you're not famous and it's just like I don't know. I just I just had to bring that up because it was a really big part of the episode. So Yeah. And I think I think maybe a one of his queer women in his life needs to just sit him down and introduce him to a long-distance relationship on Tumblr or something. Maybe that's the... <laughs> Honey, been there, done maybe that. That's the, maybe that's the solution. I'm happy to sit down and, and have a chat uh, with, with uh, this, you know, fictional character. But obviously, I know we're going to be following that in the, in the weeks to come. Um, but I want to zoom out once again, take us out of high school and switch gears, honestly, a little bit because... I'm I am obsessed and I'm just going to throw it right back because I'm selfish. I'm obsessed with Chase again as a documentarian, but I know that for you in real life like you have studied film production and that's like also a part of of what you do and I think it, I I would love to know is there any tie between the role you play as Riley, you know, documenting the lives of your friend group of everything happening that's transpiring um, amongst these 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 folks, and then you know what your tried and true background and and passion is. Yeah, um, I grew up in the suburbs of Detroit, and it was a very kind of like stifling sort of bubble of a place. So I think definitely I, I turned to writing and and storytelling through writing specifically as like a way to escape my environment and. I would like put on characters and as a way to kind of cosplay that I wasn't surrounded by like more, you know, all the, all these like crazy, crazy people, you know, Riley's photography is, is that, that sort of sense of like projecting onto people and, and sort of like sensing certain things within, within her friends around her um, and, and trying to capture them in like maybe these like romanticized environments. Um, So yeah, I think there is definitely like a link between between that kind of st- storytelling. It seems like there's a shared a shared language there. Yeah, it seemed very natural at it. So, thank you, thank you, Humbly. <laughs> Same with you, Zelda. Like, I think from all the conversations we've had, like, there's just been a perceptiveness in in every single you know topic that we've discussed, and and I'm curious the same for you, you know. How has it been like getting to where you are today? Like I know that you lived with with Lena Dunham as uh, working in in Wales of of all places. I'm curious what it's been like for you. Yeah, no, it's crazy. I mean, I did I've done a lot of writing ever since I could kind of figure out how to write creative stories. Um we did this like little creative writing period when I was in second grade. Um every Friday we would do like the first like hour of school day would be just like a time to write and I was just so in love with it I would always look forward to Friday mornings because of that and I realized it was kind of like the first thing that I had really felt any kind of passion about ever Mm -hmm. in my life and I just got so into it because I hated math all throughout everything I've always hated math Um, yeah Um, but I just I somehow got so into it and I remember just thinking like 
oh, like, this would be fun to, like, write a book someday or something. Like, this this could be fun. Like, I really like doing this. Um, and it kind of just spiraled from there, honestly. Like, it just became such an obsession for me. <laughs> With Lena in particular, I mean, she's been an incredible mentor. And we're very similar in a lot of ways. She... When she invited me to come to Europe, it was like dream come true. Living in like this beautiful villa with her for a few weeks was so cool. She's so kind and wonderful. And she took me to set every day and she would like let me shadow her. And yeah, it was so amazing. And industry was a really fun project to kind of like, it was a really interesting project to like watch everything come together. The entire crew was so nice. The whole cast was amazing. They were all so sweet. It was really welcoming environment. Environment. Um, and I think that partially says a lot about like how Lena runs a set. It's just like she she wants it to feel like a very welcoming, inspiring place always. Um, and I think she definitely did a really good job of kind of carrying that out and making sure that everyone felt at home while we were creating this project. Yeah, she's been a huge inspiration for sure. That's amazing. Incredible. Well, listening to both of y'all, yeah, multi-hyphenates over here has also been an inspiration. <laughs> so I've loved chatting with, with you both. Thank you, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thank you so much, um, both of you, for, for being here and talking Zelda once again every week. We know you're going to yes. be here. Thank you. We'll be here every week breaking down each episode with the show's creators, writers, and stars, and it's going to be so much fun. And thank you again to both of you for, for being here today with us. Thank you. Thank guys. you. Au revoir. Generation the Podcast is a production of HBO Max and iHeartRadio, hosted by us, Gigi Good, and Wembley Sewell. The podcast is produced and written by Phoebe Hunter, written and researched by Sierra Kaiser, and engineered, edited, and mixed by Matt Stillo. It's executive produced by Ethan Fixell. If you haven't already subscribed, rated, or reviewed Generation the Podcast, please do so on the iHeartRadio app, HBO Max, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, be sure to watch the series itself on HBO Max. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. 